Well, hello there. So, obviously, I've criticized Trump quite a lot on this podcast. And with good reason. You know, all these Trump-1 people are liars or dupes. And Donald Trump lies so much that he makes someone like Joe Biden look honest. And let's remember that Biden had to suspend a political campaign because he plagiarized speeches and lied about his academic record, you know, back when in one of his previous runs for president. However, let's remember that some lies have been largely bipartisan. You know, I've, I will never forget when the government under George W. Bush started attempting to remove Saddam Hussein and his quote-unquote Arab regime in Iraq. It was an effort propped up by lie after lie after lie, and those in charge didn't care about how destructive or expensive their effort would be. You know, that's something they only care about when it comes to any sort of social spending. You know, like you can't help people out, but you can bomb at, you can bomb them, uh, drop bombs on them, shoot them, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So the state-sponsored murder was shockingly easy to sell, although it did require plenty of mass marketing and psychological hocus-pocus. However, it was made easier by having a stupid population that somehow does not notice obvious contradictions. For example, now that they were engaged in a war, the Bush administration suddenly began not to care about the cost of things, as I noted before. So they were prepared to spend endless amounts on the war, and they made up for that by lying to the American people and deceiving the UN about the reasons for the war. Remember the so-called Bush Doctrine. If you are not with us, you are against us. <laughs> Using the uh, fear tactic, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, divide and conquer idea, um, really to crack the whip against the American people. And, you know, we're, we're seeing that from certain governments nowadays when it comes to the, you know, the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know, like if you criticize Israel now, they'll say you're a Hamas supporter. And gee, why does that sound familiar? Well, that's because it's really the game they play. It's all a propaganda effort. And a lot of different uh, nations in the world have used that you know, that tired strategy. It's it's also employed, you know, during election seasons. Like, they'll say, you know, if, if you don't like the uh, politician that we're choosing to, you know, have in the primary, well, you, you're no better than the Republicans or, or whatever. You know, like, if you, if you voted for Ralph Nader, you're a villain, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, it's a it's it's a fun little way to shift the blame for a bad policy decision onto you know voters who were perhaps critical of those policies. You know, it's like it's like a little magic trick, maybe like a, a slate of hands sort of thing, and a lot of people do that. You know, um, there that was another motivating factor, and it's it's a powerful trick. You know, it, it definitely works for a lot of. Uh, people, you know, you get, you get kind of sidetracked by that kind of uh, argument or line of thinking, because suddenly you become the villain, you know, 
your criticism does not carry as much weight because you're put in sort of a defensive position. So that's really how that sort of argument works. It's it's a useful trick and it's, it's very effective for propaganda reasons. And it's especially useful if you want to defend a naughty, naughty war, you know, like a, a lot of these people want so much to orchestrate, I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, that's probably a good word anyway. Um, if you opposed the Iraq war, it must have meant you were buddies with Saddam Hussein. And never mind that Saddam Hussein was one of America's buddies, even enjoying favored nation trading status at one point, or that USA support for Saddam went all the way back to the Kennedy administration, or that there was a photo of Don Rumsfeld literally shaking Saddam's hand. It was supposedly you who supported him if you objected to the destruction of Iraqi society. You know, again, you, you were the villain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very amazing trick. And in a way, I, I, I almost respect it because it's just, it's, it's just so mind-blowingly simple, yet it works. And uh, also, never mind that, you know, millions of Iraqis would be slaughtered and, you know, they were already subject to the presence of a murderous tyrant like Saddam Hussein. Never mind that thousands of American troops would be killed and thousands of lives would otherwise be destroyed, even if not directly you know, through the shooting and the bombs. But, you know, when there's a war like that, infrastructure gets damaged. It can affect, you know, hospitals. And in the case of Iraq, you know, because I guess hindsight is 2020, we know that groups like ISIS were starting to take shape. And that happened at least partly because of the mass arrests that the United States was again, sort of orchestrating in Iraq with the uh, so-called interim government of, you know, the, uh, whatever it was called, the the, the Iraqi government. I, I don't know what they were calling it at the time, other than interim government. But, you know, they were arresting people and it kind of made a, a, a decent recruiting mechanism for, you know, Islamic radical groups who were inside of these prisons at times and you know they recruited people and sure enough it's uh it's something that really took over iraqi society and of course those groups weren't quite as successful in iraq until the war happened so yes saddam hussein was a bad guy and all that i think everybody knows that at this point but you you didn't have like terrorists running around. And of course, he didn't have uh, a, a lot of things that actually ended up happening that you really could not blame specifically on Saddam. So all of that was masked and made abstract by bold proclamations like, these are the opening stages of what will be a broad and concerted campaign, which is what Bush stated on March 20th of 2003, you know, they simply had to win uh, just as your favorite sports team had to win, like it was all just a game. You know, every country is number one, every military, every sports team, every religion, etc. They're all number one. 
you know, you can never say, oh, we're not the best. We're, we're in second place. No, you got to be in that number one spot. Otherwise, I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess it's harder to lie to people if you're, if you're in the, in the number two spot, if you're the runner up. Um, they were the masters of propaganda and lies, so they could lie with impunity. You know, they, they really did a bang up job of it. And Nazi propaganda chief uh, Joseph Goebbels, or as, however that name is pronounced, I've, I've heard different pronunciations. But anyway, he's often quoted as saying, repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. And that really has become the gold standard. You know, that's one of the obvious methods. You just repeat something over and over again and it'll start sinking in. And even some people who might not have believed that before will sort of gradually start saying, oh, maybe there's some truth to this, you know? Uh, and, and some, let's face it, some lies do have little shades of truth to them. You know, and that's kind of how propaganda works as well. Or, of course, some things could be true, and we, we might not really know for a fact, you know. And uh, we'll say, well, I'm going to listen to this lie a little bit more closely now and, uh, you know, further assess to what extent it's true. And then sure enough, when you've got that willing ear, which is perfectly reasonable to have, um, but when you have that, it makes you a little bit more susceptible to listening to that side, right? So it, again, it's it's like a little manipulation that's part of the uh, trick. That's a little bit how they get you. You know, if they take advantage of you being at least somewhat of a reasonable person. And if you're surrounded by certain talking points, you're obviously going to be even more susceptible to adopting them on your own, or you're going to be sort of framing the narrative on your own um, by virtue of being surrounded by these talking points because you're going to be reacting to them. You're not going to be controlling the narrative. It's somebody else who's controlling the narrative. They're shifting your focus onto this issue or that side topic or, or whatever. Um, so you're, you're probably going to be distracted, and that's really the power of propaganda. Um, so what all these patriotic Americans didn't realize was that it would take years of American blood and treasure before they were defeated, you know, before Saddam Hussein would end up in his spider hole, I believe is what they called it. And uh, because even when we won, we were still defeated. The real winner winners were those who directly profited from these war efforts. And, you know, maybe it was Dick Cheney and Halliburton, you know, who, who knows? There, I don't think there was ever truly a proper investigation into that or into other war profiteers because, well, <laughs> they were in charge. Uh, no single lie could destroy Iraq or Saddam Hussein because there were none that powerful, but a whole bunch of them teamed up, often with great help from, from American corporate media. However, the truth ultimately did become known, at least for many of us. Most of us know there were no WMDs. Saddam Hussein was not a gathering threat, at least not particularly. He was actually a relatively low-powered figure, even in the Middle East. He had no relationship of significance with Osama bin Laden or Al-Qaeda. And the United States actually did not liberate Iraq. You know, we 
we liberated it in the sense that a hammer liberates a nail, I guess. You know, <laughs> that's uh, one way to look at it. And there, there were still many who bought into the lies. However, there is one good thing about the whole Iraq war fiasco. Now, when we see another president selling a war of lies, or just lying in general, we're better equipped to see these signs and know the potential consequences. Some of us actually do remember what happened, even though, you know, it seems so long ago now. But, you know, when the media kind of has normalized George W. Bush and uh, almost created an attitude of nostalgia, remember the Bush years? Oh, weren't they so nice? Well, some of us can see through that BS and we're like, nah, we don't want that either. And, uh, you know, obviously the media wants us to have a bunch of competing bad options, it seems. Um, well, the mainstream media and, well, the corporate media, the, you know, the war supporting media, however you want to frame it. Um, but, you know, it's it seems like at a certain point, the population might actually reassert its um, dominance over the narrative to some degree. And I think that's happening a little bit here and there. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do that more and more. We know they lie most to defend a war or other policy that they know the American people will not fully support. You know, that's where the biggest lies are going to be uh, propping things up. And we know that sometimes it might be a policy the leader doesn't even believe in, but they will promote it anyway, regardless of the facts. And they'll do so while wrapping themselves up in flag imagery and proclaiming themselves holy children of God or something like that. You know, like it's a really, a really important, vital mission for the survival of mankind that we do this extremely shitty thing, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a way to make us strong and free and proud and bold and brave. Like GI Joe, we're gonna, you know, march on the battlefield and kick some ass and play John Rambo and uh, the fireworks are gonna be great and you know we're gonna have hot dogs and balloons when it's all over with and you know we're gonna protect the lives of the unborn. But you know if we bomb children overseas who really cares you know all that stuff that fun stuff we also know that in contrast to the host country being number one the opposing person or ideal will, will become the absolute worst so w's dad called saddam hussein worse than hitler and uh, president richard nixon described illegal drugs as public enemy number one etc etc you know it's it's like a constant thing now that the Republicans will say that, you know, Joe Biden's a communist or something like that. No, the dude's not, you know, he, he's simply not. He's not even really a far left figure, let alone a, a communist. Like, <laughs> but that's that's how they want to portray things because, you know, the population is smart. Um, but anyway, obviously not everyone understands this yet. Um, but some of us do, and maybe even that relatively small number can make a dent in the lie machine, if not finally pull the plug on it. You know, 
there is reason to be optimistic. The uh, last few elections have actually been an example of the population actually making a little bit of sense um, compared to what their other options might have been. So hopefully, hopefully I will not feel like a fool if I say something optimistic here. Um, but there's still time to end up, you know, totally dropping the ball and uh, seeing more terrible things happen. And, uh, you know, that's a way that we can go. That's certainly a path that is open to us if we're not watching where we are headed.